Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1473 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by the Game Time app. Create an account. Use the promo code Locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And today's show with myself and Robbie Callen of Diamond Uproxx and Uproxx Sports talking about a little bit of Hawks stuff at the top of the podcast and some Eastern Conference Finals talk. Also, there's a second part of this podcast coming sort of in bonus fashion with some Western Conference Finals talk as well as some landing spots for Victor Wamanyama ahead of the lottery, which happens on Tuesday evening. So plenty to get to, about an hour plus of content, this main show, and then it's sort of a bonus episode after this. Robbie's always fun to talk to. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast as well to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, also YouTube, etc. And please, please, please subscribe to the show and tell a friend about the podcast. Without further delay, I will talk to Robbie Callen in a moment. But first, the intro. I'll be back with Robbie, Eastern Conference Finals Talk, and of course, some stuff about the Hawks at the top of the show. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. I'm joined once again by my friend Robbie Calland of Dime and Uprock Sports. Robbie, welcome back to the podcast where uh, you are a frequent guest, although probably the most frequent guest that's not a, uh, a day-to-day Hawks person. So hello. Welcome back. Happy to be here. You used to be a Hawks person. I did that, used to be a Hawks person. don't know uh, Robbie's work, he used to work at Hawks.com. <laughs> For those unfamiliar with the 2013-14 Atlanta. Yeah, Hawks.com, uh, Peace Trigger before that. I was 12-13. Yeah. Score Atlanta. What else, what else, what did you oh, do? What else did you do yeah, the Score Atlanta days. That was uh, where I got my buzz. start. Anyway, all kinds fan of things. Buzz? Robbie has Atlanta Jeez. credentials. He doesn't live rest in, <laughs> rest in power fan buzz. He doesn't live here anymore, but it's uh, he's plugged in. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of Hawks, but as I said in the intro before I brought Robbie in, we're going to talk about the conference finals because it's kind of my one opportunity to do that. In between, uh, this is a dead period. I'm recording on Monday night. There's no game. What's going on? It's bizarre. And also, the lottery is tomorrow. So we'll do a little bit on um, where we want or don't want Victor Wimnama to land if we have our druthers. Um, first, though, uh, you actually spent some time together during the Hawks-Celtic series. Um, we were traveling and going to weddings and all kinds of things. To start to say that we talked about the Hawks on this podcast, um, I will throw to you because you know you're not watching all 82, but I got the impression through people that we both know that cover the league that there was a general kind of people were kind of impressed by the Hawks in that series, not necessarily blown away, and mm. a little bit of a, a sort of the side eye to Boston, who is still playing, but Boston is kind of Boston, and that game five was like partially because Boston didn't play very well. Mm. But uh, what did you make of what you saw from the uh, the new look Hawks down the stretch to uh, kind of maybe salvage some of the morale from the otherwise kind of down season? Yeah, I mean, I think the series was good in, in that it gives people a little bit, like you said, it gives that optimism that, Quinn's going to kind of open some things up. You're going to, you know, Trey seemed very happy. You know, he was kind of effusive in his praise of Quinn talking about how this is the guy, this is the guy we've been wanting. And, um, you know, when so much of what the Hawks can do relies on Trey buying in, that's, that's a big thing. Like that's not nothing to have Trey believe in a coach in the way that it seems he believes in Quinn. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's been the case. I don't remember what all he said when Nate got hired. I know he was probably fairly excited, but I don't know if it was quite like this. 
it, it was um, not. It was not. It's not like this. Yeah. I mean, he, he was positive, but it was. Uh, I noted too. Like this is the most. He went out of his, seen. and he went out of his way to do it. Right. Like yeah. he he wasn't getting asked like thoughts on Quinn. Like it was just kind of like we, you know, we're we're getting there. Yeah. Um, so I, that that's that is the most notable thing for me to come out of the series because uh, otherwise, I guess you know, bogey looking a little more bogey like at times being healthy and being (laughs) like, I mean, but really like that's, he hasn't been healthy for two years. Um, And that is really important, especially with the new contract that he's got. There's not a lot of flexibility to move and add real pieces to this team, unless you get back stuff for John, which is, you know, the assumption is that Collins is the one that gets moved this off season. I still don't know what that trade looks like. I don't know if the goal of that trade is to kind of replenish the cupboard from the, from the Murray deal in terms of draft picks. I don't know if the goal of that deal is going to be to land a starting caliber role player. I don't know exactly what that looks like. Um, And I'm not sure the Hawks right now, even know what's out there and what that looks like. Obviously you can have goals and then goals have to change when you get to the market and find out what a guy is valued at. But yeah, I mean, like, I I think if you're looking for the positive, it it is Trey's very happy with what Quinn can do offensively for him and for the team. I think DeJounte was probably your most consistent offensive player in the series. Is that is that fair to say? Because kind of Trey rode the the highs and lows and DeJounte was DeJounte for better and worse, I I guess, in, in the series. So you kind of feel comfortable knowing what he's going to give you. And you just hope that Trey can hit that that high mark more. Um, also, I think it was just good to see Trey have a good postseason series against a team that's keying in on him defensively. You know, he started slow, but he had a couple good games. And coming off that Miami series where he was just flat out bad, yeah. you know, a year ago, that also means something. So, yeah, I get where the optimism is. I also think you look at that series and you say, like, we're optimistic about losing a game in six. Like, the something still needs to change to change – your outlook on what this team looks like in terms of contending because you've invested partially enough to make that the goal. Now it's a matter of, will we see further investment? Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you cover to make, to make it, to make it happen. And, and we, and I think Hawks fans know exactly what that means and we'll find out. Yeah. I mean, you cover the whole league and, it's, I was talking with somebody about this all, about offline the other day. It's actually something I was going to bring up. And it's the, the difference between being competitive in that series, which is important, and they played well. Mm-hmm. And it's a reminder on some level that even when they made their run in 2021, they weren't some juggernaut regular season team that year. They, yeah. they, were, they, were, the, they were the five seed. Yeah. And like that's the, the next frontier is not even, it's kind of weird to say this, but it's not even so much about playoff results. I mean, it's obviously the playoff results are what matter at the end of the day, but can you go out and win 50 games? Like, can, can you go be a, a real team for 82? Cause they basically had a half of a season in mm-hmm. 2021 where they were really at that level for more than a couple of weeks. They yeah. did it for like two, three months um, at the end of that season. And other than that, it's been flashes. Like, yeah, they, they got better at the end of the year two years ago before they ran into Miami and totally fell apart. And they got, they had injuries this year. They never really did it. I mean, famously mm-hmm. this year, they did not ever have a run in them 
at any point. It was like they were just win, win one, lose one, win two, lose two for months and months. And like, yeah, it's it's encouraging that, that, that they took Boston to six. Um, and the way that I said, it, I think with Glenn on our podcast recently, is like that series felt to me like a like a one like a one seed Boston team. They weren't the one seed, but they were that quality of a team. Yeah. And like the way the Hawks were playing, you could convince me that they, that was like a four or five seat kind of team. The way they mm. were playing, but they didn't. They had they have not proven that over eighty two. So like, it's like, you know, I, I go back to Quinn, and I actually I said some nice stuff about Quinn the other day, and I got some Hawks fans that were I was kind of surprised. Like, well, they they didn't win under him w- when he took over, and it's like, well, he took over in the middle of the season. He couldn't just be a miracle worker, right? And there's yeah, Quinn has some playoff questions that he has to answer from Utah. But one thing is like not in question is like he was a heck of a regular season coach in Utah. Yep. So like I think that also gives you a little bit of optimism that like I'm not saying that they're going to go out and be the two seed next year, but yeah. I think that anything short of like real improvement over 82 is going to be met with a lot of resistance because once you get in the playoffs, anything can kind of happen. We see that with Philadelphia, we saw it with Milwaukee this year, all that stuff. But like you got to go out and like how about being a top four seed for the first time? That'd be nice. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. If you've ever been trying to find tickets to a big event at the last minute, it can be stressful and really not the best idea for your emotions or your wallets. And after all, buying tickets should not be a hassle. With Game Time, you'd be fast and easiest way to buy tickets for sports and music and comedy and theater. And with killer deals and lost minute tickets and the best price guarantee, you can also avoid stress and start getting hyped for the fun that you actually have at the event. Spring is here. There's tons to happening in Atlanta. I'm sure there is around you as well, wherever you may be. And with Game Time, you can get flash deals, lost minute tickets, and it's so easy to find, find a lot of tickets they're looking for for each and every event that you might be interested in. Also see images of where your seats might happen to be inside the venue and they have protection if your event happens to get canceled. Forget the months of planning in advance. They have tickets and deals on tickets right up to the day of the event with game time. And again, I guarantee you also you'll get the best price possible. If you find tickets in the same row in the same section for less, you'll get 110% of the difference from game time. It's the fastest growing ticket- ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can buy tickets just a matter of seconds and they'll be sent directly to your phone to make things easy for you. Download the game time app right now, create an account, get the promo code locked on MBA for $20 off your first purchase terms apply. Again, create an account, reading the promo code locked on MBA, $20 off your purchase. Download game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I think the first goal, and I think this is a goal for, this should be the first goal for kind of every team that's not in that championship contention category, just based off who they are. Uh, the first, the first goal has to be top six, you know, and like, ideally comfortably top six where you're not going into the last week of the regular season fighting for the last guaranteed playoff spot. Like if that should be the initial benchmark for the Hawks next year. Um, Cause you look at the East and Milwaukee might have some changes. Um, like yeah. there's some things that could genuinely get. They already, they already have one up. change already. We already, we know, we know they already have one change, but also like the one change is apparently going to be, we want bud, but we want different bud based on who they're interviewing. Like they're interviewing a bunch of bud assistants. Honestly, honestly, and I mean, you and I are, are are sort of uniquely qualified to talk about like the Charles Lee, Kenny Atkinsons because like they run Bud Staff, and like it's funny. Like Charles, I remember Charles being the young guy on Bud Staff. Yep. And now he's been the head assistant in Milwaukee the last couple of years since Darvin's gone. At least this year since Darvin's been gone. But like, yep. yeah, that would be the not to make it about the Bucks, but like it's a weird situation where like maybe they run it back and just kind of do the same thing or maybe they don't bring it i mean they have middleton right, and lopez and all that stuff so there's a lot of change that could happen there so that's one team that you know they have Giannis, so they're going to be really good but um yeah. like that's that's a team that that could undergo some changes and, and just look different 
Uh, the Sixers could look <laughs> real different next year. Yeah. Um, I mean, Boston's, Boston's the one team. Boston's that's the like, one that you expect to come back and be You, you kind of have to assume they'll be a top two or three seed in the East. Yeah. Um, Cleveland was good this year and had a terrible playoff series, but they were good in the regular season. Like genuinely, like they were top three in the league in net rating. So like that, they're probably going to win games. And they're not going to blow things up, you no, know, with the core. Yet. And that's a core that can win regular season games as we saw. Um, the Knicks? The, I mean, dude, they're, the, they're the Knicks. They want they're, the Knicks. They're, they're who they are. Like the Hawks should be better than the Knicks. But, I, yeah, I firmly agreed. believe that. I and firmly also, believe that. I think maybe that's your benchmark. Like, be, well, be well, and also, if you, if, you want, if you want to look at it, um, let's even if we assumed, and we should not assume that, as we just said, Milwaukee and Philadelphia. If we assume that they just are kind of kind of the same, and they're still good, even if you assume that, that's three teams. If you want to say Cleveland, maybe that's the fourth. Like that's that's the top four from this year. Nobody else scares you too much. I mean, you got the Knicks. Brooklyn's taken a large step back for obvious reasons since they made all the moves they made. Um, Miami regular season wise is not very scary to me. So like there's no reason the Hawks shouldn't be aiming for the four or five. And obviously yeah. you want to, you want to, you want to be even, even, be, even better than that. Clearly I'm sure that internally they're not going to say we want to be the, the five seed, but you're right. I think that even this year and Nate got some heat for it early in the season, he kept saying their goal was top six and that's a, it's a very frank goal. Um, yeah. They didn't make it, um, but like just not not being in the play. Honestly, like not being in the play-in after it's two years in the play-in. Like if, if they're in the play-in next year, barring yeah, yeah. huge injuries, like then you're talking about like a weird like full-on overhaul situation. I think correct because right now, if I had to guess, and I've said this before, but they're not going to do the full overhaul now. It's it might mm-hmm. be a, a trade here, trade there in the front court, but like the core of the team, Trey Dejounte, it's they're they're not going to do anything Flint. with those guys. Yeah. Quinn's going to be there. They're, they're going to give him a year. But yeah, if, if they win 40 games next year, then yeah. you're talking about real, like, not, a, not necessarily panic, but like it's time to like make some real changes. Probably yeah, the, at, that, at that point, it's time to evaluate everyone on yeah. the roster in terms of whether they are the guy. And that's so like, and, and again, I think that that comes down to that's part of why the Trey thing is so interesting in terms of what he said about Quinn yeah. is like that kind of takes the onus on on him to buy in in a way that I, I'm not sure we've totally seen. And, and that should be exciting um, from a Hawks fan perspective. Like that's why I took those comments as kind of eyebrow raising as I did is that doesn't seem to be the type of quote that Trey has ever really given. Um, and it should be exciting, but it also puts a little bit of, of pressure um, to make that thing work. Cause there, there shouldn't be excuses if your star players that excited um, about what the coaching staff is going to be installing and about what they're going to be asking him to do that takes away any real excuses that it is, you know, not everybody on the same page. And so if that's the case, then it's on on the results to come from that. And, and like you said, like the base goal should be top six, uh, especially in the East that has some some teams in the middle that are going to be, you know, that should be in the Hawks range at minimum, Cleveland, New York, um, and then has teams at the top that could see some some changes, particularly Philly. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I mean, like, oh, I, I, there is no way Philly is not going to have I, a fairly I, different roster. I, I can't say that I'm running it back, but, and we should at least say out loud teams like 
you know, Toronto had the same record as the Hawks this year, and they could they could improve. I don't know if they're gonna, but they could. I have, I have no idea what they're gonna do. No clue. It's too early for all this stuff. But like, the, the general point is like, there's only yes. a team or two. I think honestly, the only team that's like for sure gonna be projected ahead of the Hawks next year, barring something crazy, is Boston. Um, yeah, I would it, think. I would think again. Prob- I would think Milwaukee, Milwaukee yes, just because. Agreed. Giannis exists. Like Giannis exists. If, if they have Giannis it. and Drew, if they have Giannis and Drew, especially, you know, because Drew's not a free agent. Middleton and Lopez are free agents, but if they have right. Giannis and Drew and fill around and, and try to fill around them, they're going to be good at a minimum, you would think. Yeah. But okay. yeah, Philly's got flexibility to, you know, to say something. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one word. That's one way to put it. Uh, Brooklyn is who knows. New York is who knows. I mean, they had a good they had a good run this year, but then they had their well, playoff stuff. Miami. I was low Miami all year, and now they're the conference finals. I don't, I don't know what to make of Miami. Ever. Well, um, here's the – so here – can I do a quick Miami tangent real fast? Oh, we're going we're gonna to do some conference finals talk, but yes, do, do it now. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Well uh, – That's fine. So, like, the – my favorite thing that keeps coming up is, like, the, the Spoh's never won coach of the year thing. And, like, yeah. They've – like, yeah. The, only to, the only time he would have won coach of the year was last year. That's the only. That's the only time he would have been like, because it's a regular season award. I was gonna, it, it comes down to the. Uh, we know he's great in the playoffs. The antiquated. Well, you know, and I don't. I don't like coach of the year. It's what I don't like a lot of the awards. But coach right. of the year, the way the coach of the year is always. Almost, we we almost, didn't think you were going to be good, and right. now you're good. It's always. It's all, and that's, that's why is. people are like, why is it? Why do they all get fired? I'm like because they get the award for overachieving, and then they you can't just overachieve every year. Right. Like Mike Brown did a great job this year. Mike Brown. Should have been the coach of the year. I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But like, is Mike Brown the best coach in the NBA? No, he's not. Sure. It's not. That's not the award. And yeah. Spo is a great example of that. Like, I think he, everyone agrees. If he's not number one, he's in the top three. Yeah. Uh, but like, if you don't ever win well, games in the regular season at, at the highest <laughs> highest level, like last year they were the one seed. Last year, that was last year they were the one seed. That was the one time because like here's the thing when he start like he was never going to win coach of the year when he had the big three LeBron and Wade (laughs) like nobody was ever like yeah that's the coach because that was the whole thing like when they were like okay is Spo actually like that dude like he's winning with these guys and then they were always like the little overachievers that could in the playoffs that's what they've been like they were never an offensive juggernaut like a a regular season juggernaut before like last year and even last year what they won like 50 something like they didn't win like a huge no, they were, like they were pretty wins, modest right? one seed. Yeah. They it, it was just like a weird year in the East. Or something. Yeah. So like, I, like, I get it. Like he's again, like you said, like I would vote him as the best coach in the league. He's very good, but he's like, part of it is he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't overachieve when the voting matters, you know, when the voting counts, which is, that's a whole regular season <laughs> award thing to go off on. Like yeah. we're watching it unfold again with MVP this year. Right. Like, you know, it's a regular season award, but there's, we talk. The problem is, the problem is when they hand it out. Like, there's no way to hand out the award with, without. It used to be worse, and that they would do it like before a game on the court, and like that was, if that guy that didn't great. if that guy didn't play well that night, it was. Like I, I want them to the bring. That, I want them to bring that back. Well, and then they tried the as you and I covered it award together the, the ridiculous award show where they held it until like the middle of June, and it's like no one cares at that point. Like you can't do that's yeah. that, that, that's what baseball does, by the way. They they do it the like way after the season ends, and it's like this is kind of an odd time to do. Well, the this. NFL does it right right before the Super Bowl, and yeah, then also and like nobody. And well, the thing is, it's like nobody even really no cares one, about no that. Cares. It's the NFL. Yeah. It, no one cares. Um, which is it, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, Spoh is very good. In fact, let's just talk about the conference finals. Let's do it. 
Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix Daily Fantasy made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. It is very easy to use, and they have safe and fast withdrawals at PrizePix. Every day during the NBA playoffs as well, you have one PrizePix user will actually have a chance to win and become a millionaire in one fell swoop. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern time will be randomly selected each and every day. And whoever placed the entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. All six correct, $1 million. Five out of six, $80,000. Four out of six, $60,000. And details can be found at pricepix.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is actually go play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Download the PricePix app right now. Go to pricepix.com. Sign up and play daily fantasy sports. If you're a first-time user, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. Don't forget that promo code. It is Locked On at sign up. This is a positive match up to $100. Check it out now at Price Picks. And one more time, check it out at pricepicks.com slash million. Let's start with the East. We're already there. It's the least interesting series if we're being 100% honest about it. Uh, in right. fact, our friends at FanDuel, I have the number for you right now. Um, FanDuel What's has, that? right now, Boston is minus 550 to win the series. <sighs> Miami is plus 390. And just for those of you who may not love betting odds, that equates to about an 85-ish percent implied odds for Boston. ESPN has a tidy 96. Yeah, that, okay. You know what? I, I, let's I don't go mean into to, it. I don't mean to rag on the worldwide leader. No, let's uh, do it. That, that's It's really bad. I mean, That's look, preposterous. You, can't, I, you I, can't put that out there. I'll say this now. I really believe Boston is very likely to win the series. Yeah. Uh, there is almost no chance it's 97%. Um, and I think that... I will to, to slightly defend them before we kill them because we're gonna uh, about that particular number. I think the NBA playoffs are impossible to mod, to model analytically because yeah. it's a different sport than the regular In season. The regular season, one hundred percent. It just is, and that was like it's been the case the last several. I remember last year, uh, wasn't it like Boston was like a huge favorite at five thirty eight to win the title over over Golden State because Golden State it was, was like 80 it was like 80 yeah, percent or something same, like that same thing like, 84 and, it was like 84 16 or something and if you, if you look at it look if you look at it Miami in the regular season was not a good basketball team no, they just they just good. weren't a good there, there's a reason why they're, they're the eight seed they lost to the Hawks and they lost to the Hawks by double digits at home they were good in the play in the playing game <laughs> they got killed that game was not close anyway and they almost lost the second one so if you're just a, like, it's kind of the same thing in the other series, but uh, the other thing is about the Nuggets Lakers series is that the Lakers are the Lakers in capital letters. So people kind of buy it more. But if you look at that, just profile versus profile in the regular season, it would be a very large margin. Yeah. Um, so I get why Boston's a huge favorite in the series, and they probably should be. 97% is insane. Like, Preposterous. if it was Boston against, like, who's the team in the NBA that it should be 97 3 against with Boston? Houston Rockets. Series. Yeah, it would have to be a really bad team. <laughs> Seriously, because you throw in the fact that the Charlotte Hornets, all due respect to Boston, who's probably the best team in the league on paper, they have a tendency to do some dumb stuff. Like, game five of the Hawks series, number one example, they lose at home without no DeJounte and they just lay an egg. Like, so, yeah, can we talk about that? Like, they're not a juggernaut in the playoffs. They no. were taking the six games twice. Well, no, they're six games and seven six games. Six games and like, seven games. We, and they also had what that. are we so doing here? Game game five in both series against the Hawks, they could have put the, the series away and they didn't do it. And game five against Philly, total no show at home to both dig a three two hole. And look, they they got out of it and they yeah. improved and they were the better team against Philly in the series. They outscored them, all that stuff. And but like. I have to do a preview of the series at Sportsline, and it's like I don't know what to 
what to give out as a pick because, yeah, Boston's probably going to win the series. I don't believe in, in Miami. All, I mean, it's basically Jimmy's got to be God for, for them to compete in the series, and he, maybe he is. I mean, he's, he's done it <laughs> before. pretty close. Um, but, like, what, what, how are you supposed to sell a Miami pick? But at the same time, Boston just does some weird stuff. So I feel like I'm probably going to end up at, like, Boston to win in six or something. Yeah. Because like, which is stupid because they're gonna have to win on the road. But like, they could win in Miami if they play well. They're they're gonna be favored in Miami in the games. So I don't know what to make of it. I mean, I I know that Boston's a lot better, but Mm -hmm. Miami is like to talk about Spo. They're they have a great coach. They have a huge coaching advantage. Missoula, I got. I think it's got a little bit too much heat. A little bit too much. He did. He did. It it became like, should they fire him? Which is like people. People, people were like, they'll never recover from. Who was it, Manning? Someone's like, they'll never recover from losing Udoka. Okay, and it's like, we're doing the. Here's the. Why is this happening with Boston coaches? Cool. This is Boston. But like, like we did this with like, would you rather have Brad Stevens or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Well, you know, someone's someone's going to try. Someone's going to try to fire Darvin Ham if they if they if they're down three one in the series to the Nuggets. Um, It's not doing a good job. Anthony will do it, but no, but okay, so. Miami's that. edges in the series. Yeah. Miami's edges in the series are coach and maybe, maybe Jimmy is the dog, best player. Dog in him levels. Yeah. Maybe, um, and maybe Jimmy's the best player. But like, other than that, if you go line by line, player by player, it's not particularly close. Boston is a lot better. Like, and Tatum, I'm not the biggest Tatum guy. Game, he played. So well in game seven after not playing well in game five and six for mostly most most of game six. Jimmy wasn't quite as good last series either after having mm-hmm. the absurd series mm-hmm. previous to that. So, like, okay, I'll throw it to you. What what's the pathway for Miami to not only just compete, but like take it to seven or win? Uh, I mean, like you said, Jimmy has to be pretty much round one, Jimmy. Um, <laughs> which is absurd. Which which though. which was like 38 points a game on crazy efficiency. Um, he's got to be pretty close to that. Bam has to be the best big by oh, yeah. a healthy margin. Like that's like, and that's not a guarantee. Like we are, it's this not, is, this is the Hawks podcast. So let's, we're going to espouse the, the virtues of uh, the great Al Horford, but you know, <laughs> but like, I mean, seriously, hate, but, by the way. But, that's but, okay. but Bam has to be like sizably the best big in the series. And that's on both ends. And that's consistently like he cannot kind of come in and out of being a factor offensively. That's the one area they should have a little bit of a chance to exploit um, kind of in the way that they did against Milwaukee. And I give him credit for that Milwaukee series being more willing to shoot. Yeah. But when he gets that ball on the short roll, like he has to be willing to take that little floater. He ha- and he, he can't let it get bothered by, Horford and Williams, which means he has to be decisive. Like that's the biggest thing against this Boston front line is you can do stuff against them, but you have to make a quick move. It's the thing that killed Joel. It was the thing that Joel and B and this was the most frustrating thing watching that Sixers series is when Joel went quick, when he got the ball and boom, went like he can roast Al Horford when he does that. He doesn't do it. Like he will not do it. And what's the one thing Al Horford has that most people don't recognize he has the longest arms in the world. Yeah. Al Horford's wingspan for being 6'10 is like insane. Like he becomes a 7'1 guy because he has crazy long arms and he doesn't just jump. So what you do when you go chest, 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 baby hook is like, I was just going to stand there. 
And then as soon as you go up, he gets his incredibly long arm and blocks it or alters the shot. Bam has to be decisive. Bam has to go quick and do what Joel wouldn't and couldn't apparently. And it's the same with Robert Williams. Like Robert Williams is a guy that you can kind of get to jump around a little bit more. So the pump fakes and stuff work against him more because he's a little bit more of that kind of aggressive, that, that puppy mentality of like jump, jump, jump. Um, But he's even gotten better about that. So you still have to be decisive and go quick, but you can, you know, the dream shake type stuff will work on him a little more. That's one thing. Bam has to be really good. Um, They obviously need the shooters to shoot like shooting variance is going to be the thing. We know that I think defensively the one thing that they can do, and they did this against Milwaukee. And I think this is the one pathway to making this Boston team look rough. They can force, and Boston is willing to just jack up threes and they're not a very good shooting team. Mm -hmm. You can frustrate them with physicality the way they did with Milwaukee into just getting guys to to, to settle for shots. And if you get Marcus Smart shooting and you can get Jalen Brown shooting when he doesn't have it, and you can get if you can make those guys become shooters first who aren't looking to attack the paint. That's your pathway. There were games in that Sixer series where I think Boston took like fifty plus threes. That should not be their game. Yeah, and that's what well, the thing is with Missoula. He wants them to. I mean, he. I know he wants them to shoot, but like he wants them to shoot a lot too. I mean, in the Hawks series, the same thing. The, the couple couple guys they took 45, 53s. and against Miami. I don't know if that should be. I mean, you still want to take them because that's what they're built to do. But right. there are so much. I mean, they're they're bigger than Miami too. Miami, I, I guess, and Miami, and that's my thing. They space. might play. Miami, I guess, might play the love, bam duo sometimes. But if they don't yeah, do but that, you should attack it. Right. So that's like, the thing is, like when you when you let when if Kevin Love's on the floor and you're taking threes, you are giving Miami six points. Yeah, they should. Play. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be like that's that. the thing. And so you should. And I would bet Kevin Love cross matches at times on smart um probably something like that because he can't I mean, he can't be i mean I, I guess if boston starts and stays maybe with, robert with williams big, with, yeah i was gonna say if they, if they start the big lineup you probably you probably see him guard one of the bigs but like yeah. if, if boston goes small at all which they do a lot of the time because they only have really the i mean they're not even playing they Williams anymore. No. yeah and they're playing starting together at least the last couple games so yeah uh I, i'm not gonna do the entire take here but uh, I, I do have uh, I do have a, a bit of a theory that Miami might just be better without Tyler Hero. <laughs> oh baby, uh, yes, no, do it, do and, it. We, look, the people need Tyler Hero Ewing, Ewing theory from Brad. Look, and look, I am notably That's low right. on Tyler Hero. But I will first certainly, Pearl Jam. I will certainly, <laughs> I will certainly admit that I am really low on Tyler Hero compared to everybody else. And he has his he has his strengths. I will acknowledge that he's a good offensive player. He is, yep. but with what they have to do to be the best team they can be is play through Jimmy all the time. And, well, and Lowry do, makes better decisions. I, with the I was going to say, and now that Lowry is alive again, that's the, thing. That, if, that's the biggest thing. If that Kyle Lowry was the Kyle Lowry from the regular season, this, this take would not hold or, because they, or they, last, they would or last Atlanta series. Right. They, they would just need hero to handle the ball because nobody else can. But right. now that Lowry is back to some level as yeah. their number two ball handler, they can get by without hero and heroes really bad defensively and he's small and he needs yeah. the ball. Whereas like Max Struess and Duncan Robinson, especially Duncan Robinson's a bad, def- like a flat out bad defender, but he doesn't need the ball at all. He just yeah. 
runs off screens. Max Drews can actually play defense. Not great, but he's fine. Yeah. Uh, Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin. It's more that it's not that here is bad. It's that they're they're playing guys other than Duncan who are so much better defensively. Mm-hmm. And Miami's defense has been genuinely good in the playoffs. Yeah. Like in a way that I kind of buy it. Other than when Duncan's on the court or when Love's on the court, if they play the lineup that, that lineup that they've been playing that has Lowry, uh, Vincent, Vincent Martin, Butler, and Adebayo, or or even Struess in one of those spots, if you want to have or, more or, shooting, yeah, Struess in for Martin, yeah, just not not having a weakness to just like a totally attack. Mm-hmm. The problem is against Boston to what we talked about a second, kind of the inverse of it. They don't necessarily have to play attack ball in the way that some teams do because they have so much shooting. That's the question is like, even if Miami plays their defenders, can they stop Boston? I kind of don't know if they can, even with their best lineups on defense. Yeah, I mean, it co- basically Miami's best bet is to hope this becomes a shooting variant series and Boston oh, just doesn't have it. And they and have I mean, to like that's that. And that's and that's what I'm talking about is like, I think the thing that Boston has to be willing to do, and this is my one problem with the the general idea that like, Oh well, you know, like the shooting variance idea of like, well, you just keep shooting and eventually it'll it'll work out. It's like on a game by game basis, that's not true. Like you just might like guys might not have it, and like oh. you have to be willing even in the series to adapt in the game. It may not be the well case. in the series, but even even like in the game. Oh, especially yeah, especially in like, the game. The like, thing that and this is the thing that kills me about people being like, well, in the playoffs that matters. Like in the regular season, sure, like shoot it, shoot it, shoot it, whatever. But if you don't have it. And you're especially your role guys are not knocking down shots. You can't expect the switch to flip, and you have to figure out how to get buckets some other way to avoid those long stretches where if Miami is shooting it, you can't afford the 12 0 14 3 runs that can happen because that's how Miami builds the confidence. That's that they how you can lose. Get it. So that's how you <laughs> lose a game you shouldn't lose. Right. That's how you get a game stolen is by being stubborn. And that's the biggest question with Missoula is Spo. This is it goes back to the coaching match. Spo has shown like he will make those in-game adjustments based on how the team's playing. And he'll play the guys who have it and he'll take the guy. Like if Kevin Love doesn't have it, Kevin Love does not play 20 minutes night. Right? Oh no. He'll but when Kevin Love's him. shooting, he's in the game for like 26 minutes. Same, same thing as Duncan Robinson. Same thing. If Duncan, if Duncan misses his first three shots, they're gonna just he's, out. Out. he's just gone. And so that's the thing I need to see from Missoula is like, can he do that and make those adjustments in game because that's where you lose a game and that's when series becomes six, seven games that should be five. And uh, that's, also, yeah. that's that's the thing that Miami can do. But again, we're talking about all this. Like these are these are the questions and it, it's still Boston's minus 550 for a reason. Of course, and that's why. And Because it's, it's no fun to talk about what Boston needs to do the way because it's just like – they're just they're just better. I mean, 90% of what not- they can be. It's not controversial. You look at any any number, any regular season, even the play, even the playoffs. As much as Boston's been unimpressive at times, yeah. they still have a much better net rating than Miami in the playoffs, and like they're playing against you know all that stuff. Um, I, the 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 reason why that I would just not totally just write it in sharpie to uh, quote Seth Davis would be Spo and Jimmy, obviously, and the fact that just taking a step further. I think Spo he doesn't he won't admit this, but I think it's always underappreciated when teams know they're the underdog, and yeah. they act like it, and they play like it. And when I say that, I mean when you're if you're Miami in the series, you should want to increase variance. Something I said about the Hawks in the Boston series a few times is that you want 
you want variance. You're the 100%. worst team. 100%. So like you have to know that. And again, it's not exposed to come out to the podium and say, we're, we're not as good as they are, but it means taking threes with your shooters. It means, you know, increasing variance, like having yep. your guys do things that are maybe not the, the median thing, because they're going to need outliers to win the series. And Absolutely. that, and Boston might be dumb in the way they've been for two years, three years and give them a game at some fall point. Into maybe, give them, maybe give them two games. Like, We've like seen Milwaukee did, right? We've seen like, Boston it's do the this. same thing. Yeah. So that's that's the path. It's not going to be no one's going to pick like Miami. It. No one should pick Miami. No one should. Oh, and, not to win the series, but I I no. wouldn't be surprised. If this is like you said, a six game series. Uh, six would not surprise me at all. I think, and, and it, all, it almost would be fitting to have Boston close it out in Miami by just like being like, "Hey, we're actually good," and waking up because you know it's what they, they keep often, doing. They often follow up a bad game with a good game, and maybe yeah. that happens this time, and they win in six. There yeah. you go. Our picks are on the record. All right, that is it for part one of this episode with Robbie Callen of Uprock Sports and Diamond Uprocks. We'll have a part two sort of bonus episode with some Western Conference Finals talk, as well as landing spots for Victor Wamanyama ahead of the lottery on Tuesday evening. So please stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, YouTube, etc. We'll see you all next time.